For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up? What's going on? Ike Feldman back with another Ike-Dagon Mind, Body, Soul episode. Going to review the UFC's return to Washington, D.C., Jarzinho Rosenstruck against Alistair Overeem in a premier heavyweight striking battle main event. Definitely not going the five rounds. It's going to be amazing. Former title cha- talent, <laughs> former title challenger Alistair Overeem facing the fast rising Jarzinho Rosenstruck. Rosenstruck, obviously hot on the heels of his knockout of Andre Olovsky at UFC 244. Overeem taking some time off since his uh, his last couple of wins. He's the official heavyweight stepping stone. People, if they get past him, there's greater things, greater pastures on the other side of the hill or greener pastures. And if they don't, they go back down the ladder, way down, and you don't hear from the guys. So if they get past Alistair Overeem, like a Curtis Blades, like a Francis Ngannou, it's a bright future. If they don't get past Overeem, you never hear about them anymore. No more main events. So it is a huge fight this weekend. Can't wait for it. But first, we have some announcements. Conor McGregor, as we know, he announced that he was going to come back January 18th in Vegas. But there was no official booking. There was no official fight card for Conor's announcement. It caught everybody by surprise, Dana White. you know. But Conor has that power and that weight that he carries that he can throw out a date. I'm sure there were some negotiations and talks behind the scenes going on, but nothing official. And uh, he gets it done. Conor McGregor is now fighting Cowboy Cerrone on the main event of UFC 246, January 18th in Las Vegas. There's also another fight announcement. Khabib Nurmagomedov will fight or is scheduled to fight for the fifth freaking time, Tony Ferguson, April 18th, Barclays Center. So these fights were announced pretty close to each other within a day from each other around Thanksgiving. And when I first saw this, there's a lot of details that 
are being touched upon but aren't being delved into. The Conor McGregor Cowboy Cerrone fight will be at 170 pounds. Conor McGregor is making his return to welterweight. The last time he fought at welterweight was UFC 202 against Nate Diaz. He won that fight by split decision. Very close decision. Razor thin decision. And then after that, UFC 205, Conor McGregor was 155 pounds. And against Floyd Mayweather, he was 153 pounds or 154 pounds. And then a year later, he was 155 pounds against Khabib. So Conor McGregor hasn't fought at welterweight in three years. And that could be a godsend for him. Maybe it means that he's done cutting weight altogether. Maybe he just wants to cut for one day and not for one week or two weeks or four weeks like he used to for 155 pounds and 145 pounds. I don't like it because there is a reason why Conor McGregor fought at 170 pounds against Nate Diaz. It was to make a point. He lost to Nate Diaz at 170 pounds at UFC 196 because Nate Diaz took the fight on 10 days notice and couldn't cut down to 155. He has fought at 155 pounds, Nate Diaz. But he was outside of a fight camp. He was probably north of 180, maybe 185, 187. And McGregor said, sure, I'll meet you at 170. I'll make it easy for you. I want no excuses. I fight anybody at any time in any weight class. That was Conor McGregor's motto, and that's why Dana White loves him so much because he is the quintessential yes man for Dana White. And he lost. He was a little too confident. Maybe he was a little too mentally lazy because he didn't have to cut to 155 155 would have been easy considering his last fight at UFC 194 was at 145 pounds against Jose Aldo so 55 would have been a lot easier 70 he said I could just breeze in there I'm 176 pounds I could take a huge crap and make the 170 pound limit And I'm sure he thought, it was proven, that he underestimated Nate. His striking, his stamina, his endurance, his his warrior-like mentality. And Nate Diaz carries himself like a martial artist, and I'm sure he wasn't overly indulgent. You know, the legend has it that Nate Diaz was drinking Coronas on a boat when he got the call. But Nate Diaz does not party like his older brother, Nick. He is more in tune with the martial arts lifestyle right now. And Nate Diaz won that fight. Conor McGregor wanted the rematch at 170 because it was originally at 170. And a lot of people were doubting Conor. Conor could have came out and said, I I gave you the golden ticket. I made you a superstar. 
you got to do the rematch at 155 pounds. Nate Diaz would have to oblige to that weight limit. And McGregor, he's a gamesman. He said, let's run it back at 170. That's only a couple pounds away from his walking around weight, which is the weight that you naturally land at without cutting weight or training heavily. And Conor McGregor got that done, and the rest is history. So why is Conor McGregor fighting at 170 pounds when Cowboy Cerrone just fought four times in 2019 at 155 pounds against Alex Hernandez, Tony Ferguson, Ally Aquinta, Justin Gaethje, all at 155 pounds. I'm sure he could have made it. This could be the end of Cerrone. This could be the end of McGregor. Let me explain. If McGregor loses this fight, he's got one fight left that will really spark everybody's attention, and that's the Nate Diaz trilogy fight. If Cowboy Cerrone loses this fight, it's not good. Whenever he drops down or moves up into a a new division, He gets off to a fast start, winning two in a row, three in a row. He was one of the fighters of the year in 2016 when I believe he went 3-0 or 4-0. Yeah, it was 4-0. He beat Alex Oliveira. This was at 170, 170 pounds. He beat Patrick Cote. He has... An amazing legendary knockout against Rick Story. Same card as Nate Diaz, Conor McGregor, two. And then he beat Matt Brown at UFC 206. So he gets off the fast starts. He dropped back down to 155 pounds in 2019. And he won two in a row. And then he lost two. And now he's making a change again. And he's now 36, but he has a lot of miles on that 36-year-old body. He's taken a lot of fights on short notice. He's taken a lot of fights in a short amount of time. He holds a lot of UFC records, and it's what everybody loves about Cowboy Cerrone, but it's also at times what's his downfall, that he is too quick to turn around in fights. He was just hit with heavy, heavy strikes from one of the brightest stars and most wild killers in the sport, and Justin Gaethje back in mid-September. And now, four months later, he decides that he doesn't want to cut weight. And again, McGregor holds all the chips in this match. So is Cerrone going to get lazy with this training? Maybe. You got to see where his mentality is at. 
if he is treating this like a victory lap of his career and now he will be on the world platform because every time McGregor fights, it's a world event. And now that it's Cerrone, Cerrone's story will be fully told. Yeah, the more I talk about this, it just feels like a victory lap for Cerrone's career this fight. He's going to get absolutely paid, but it's it's a bow. It's it's a bow out in the sport. And I think he'll uh he'll do one more in his hometown of Denver or somewhere that really means a lot to him and that will be his final fight in 2020 because he does have a lot of miles and uh people aren't talking that he, his last two fights he absorbed a lot of damage. Tony Ferguson with those lunchbox jabs was just breaking up Cerrone's face and Cerrone's eyeball blew up and shut and like I said the next fight after against Justin Gaethje he took some heavy shots Gaethje was throwing bombs and while Cerrone wasn't flash knocked out he was dropped to his knees and all fours a couple times. Suffered some unnecessary damage in that fight as well. There was a lot of people questioning the finish from referee uh, Jarrell Villain. Why he didn't save Cerrone. There's obviously the image of Gaethje pointing at the ref. I believe he gave him the finger. Because he admires Cerrone, I'm sure the last thing he wanted to do is pound to dust one of the men that he respects the most in their sport. Why is Conor McGregor fighting Cerrone and not Justin Gaethje or Dustin Poirier? That is the question that nobody should let Conor McGregor off with during the press conferences. Where is Dustin Poirier? Where is Justin Gaethje? If Conor McGregor in 2015, maybe 2016, he calls out the best. He wants to fight the best. Fighting Donald Cowboy Cerrone is a very Floyd Mayweather, top-tier boxer, later in his career move. He's picking and choosing his opponents to slide towards the title, slide towards a bigger payday so he could potentially get a miraculous underdog win which would be the Khabib Nurmagomedov or a Jorge Masvidal or a Nick Diaz or a Nate Diaz fight in the future. I don't like this because they could have done this fight last summer and it was rumored to be on UFC 239, but Conor McGregor didn't want to be the co-main event behind John Jones. He didn't want a three-round fight. I mean, it's like, dude, that that helps yourself if you could put out three rounds and not five rounds and expose yourself. But McGregor's ego and McGregor's team, and at this point, McGregor's career, he has to pick and choose everything, not only for the matchups that will be best for his skill set, 
but matchups that will make him the most money. And that's what exactly this fight is. This isn't the cream of the crop in the welterweight division or the UFC lightweight division. McGregor is fully admitting that he is a businessman. He loves fighting, but is a he is a businessman first. If he had that pure fighter spirit that we saw in 2015, the McGregor that beat Chad Mendes, UFC 189, crying with blood, the long Viking hair, the great cardio, great confidence. Yeah, he cut a lot of weight, but that was part of the warrior mentality that he was willing to go further than anybody else to be the greatest and to reach success and to be a champion. This is not that even close. McGregor's not cutting down to 155, which Cowboy can do. It's a harder cut for Cowboy. McGregor's not fighting a top four, top three, top two lightweight to get to Khabib Nurmagomedov. He's fighting at welterweight. And please, please, don't try to pull this, I'm jumping at Cowboy, I beat Cowboy, even if it's by devastating knockout. Khabib Nurmagomedov is not next for Conor McGregor. At least do it at 155 pounds. But, looking at the other side, there's a plan. There's a method to this madness. The reason why he's fighting Cowboy at 170 pounds is because Nate Diaz just fought at 170 pounds. Jorge Masvidal lives at 170 pounds now. And Nick Diaz is flirting with a return, which would be also at 170 pounds. So you can say McGregor is getting acclimated to the weight. He's getting used to the cut. He's being familiar with how much power, how much output he can have at that weight. Sure. If it's going to be against Masvidal, if it's going to be, heck, if he even wants to go for a title at 170, I mean, there are a lot of options for McGregor, always. And if he wins, he can shape anything in his favor. So I believe there is a plan, but... I'm not as excited for this fight because Cerrone's coming off two losses. And this is kind of McGregor sacrificing Cerrone to get to greater things, and Cerrone's okay to be the sacrificial lamb. And I am not lying to you. I am more excited about the April 18th UFC 248 or 249 in Barclays Center, the fight between 
Khabib Nurmagomedov and Tony Ferguson. I am more excited about that fight than Cowboy and Connor. Way more. And what does this mean? These guys are grinders. They're hard workers. They don't care about jinxes, black magic, black cats. Anything that's going to keep them from fighting each other, they're still going to plug away, sign the contracts, and meet each other. Khabib says that he's going to train as hard as he's ever trained against Tony Ferguson. Ferguson, without a doubt, will train as hard as he will. And hopefully we get one of the most epic fights of all time. It's happening. Well, it's not happening until it happens. Because I think everybody's a little wary about putting all their stock into that card. They better stack it. They better really stack it. The main event better also be a championship fight. I mean, the co-main event better also be a championship fight. Because I don't think anybody trusts these guys. Especially in that arena that has had some curses around it. UFC 208. With the Holly Holm, Jermaine Durandamy, awful card that was horrible. UFC 223, Khabib, the bus situation, Max Holloway, Ally Quinta, Conor McGregor, the whole mess that UFC 223 was. UFC's first card event on ESPN. January, almost a year ago, TJ Dillashaw test positive in one of the worst uh, doping cases that we've seen and is suspended for at least two years. That place has been a witch, they say, uh, what do they say, witch barrel underneath the building. And we'll see. We'll see what happens with this fight. But it's going to be amazing. Khabib's pressure and wrestling, his ever-evolving jiu-jitsu and top game and back game and striking and pace and mentality and championship... Champion-level gamesmanship. He brings it when the lights are the brightest and that's that's rare it really is so <sighs> Tony Ferguson will be getting his first official undisputed UFC title shot he is uber talented boxing kickboxing muay thai jiu-jitsu wrestling pace pressure he checks off a lot of boxes size mentality cardio gamesmanship ferguson is almost the creative fighter you'd want to make just unstoppable gas tank who has unorthodox strikes great pace great wrestling great ground game loves what he's doing but how good is khabib's wrestling can he neutralize all of that with takedowns 
ground and pound, can he break Tony Ferguson in the first round? That's an amazing fight. It's to determine the greatest UFC lightweight of all time. So, break down that more in coming podcast. But real quick, Alistair Overeem, Jarzinho, Rosenstruck, taking place tomorrow, Washington, D.C. Overeem. What to freaking expect from that guy? How bad does he want it? Is he focused? Is this his ride into the sunset? Can he... Keep building wins off these fast risers and put another one to sleep and show them there's a huge experience gap between him and his opponents? Or... Is Rosenstruck the next great thing? He's a Dutch kickboxer who's grown up watching Alistair Overeem. Who's on fire, on a tear. He has back-to-back fights under 30 seconds. He is a knockout artist. How many tricks does Alistair Overeem have in his bag? And... If Rosenstruck gets passed over him, would Ngano be next? Is that too small of a name for Ngano to fight? Does Ngano have bigger things on the horizon? Could he be boxing in the future? Dana White has some announcements that he's working on the next three months. Could it involve Francis Ngano? He says it's going to be with Al Heyman, who's an all-time great boxing promoter and manager. Al Heyman works with talent like Deontay Wilder and Andy Ruiz. If Wilder loses to Fury or if Ruiz loses to Anthony Joshua, could Francis Ngannou slide in their necks? Because if Fury beats Wilder and Joshua beats Ruiz, you're setting up for one of the top-tier boxing fights in terms of style and skill. Between Fury and Joshua. Be absolutely incredible. But Wilder can knock him out. Ruiz could knock out. Joshua again. So. Rosenstruck first. That's happening this weekend. And then we'll find out how much. How much pull he has. I'll talk to you guys next week. Ike Feldman, IkeTagon.com, Mind, Body, Soul.
Thank you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.